When I was growing up, one of my favorite shows that my family always watched was The Incredible Hulk. Now, I don't know if you remember that show or not, because I believe it got its beginnings in the funny papers as a comic strip before it became a television show. But on the television show, there was a main character by the name of David Banner, who was a doctor. And Dr. Banner turned into this jamongous, muscular, green monster every time he got angry. Now, I don't remember enough about the show to know how he got this affliction, but it didn't take long watching this show every week to realize that the main focus of the show was Dr. Banner trying to figure out how to cure this affliction. He spent all of his time searching and researching, and he tried so very hard not to get angry. He would even warn folks, if you will, not to make him get that way. He would say, don't make me get angry. You won't like me very much when I'm angry. But as the show always progressed, he always did get angry. Anger has a tendency to make monsters out of all of us, does it not? Just like the Hulk, its effect comes out in many, many different ways. In our scripture today, Jesus is telling us that anger has its effect on us as well. We are in the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew's Gospel, and Jesus is teaching that there is so much more to the law than just the written commandments. What he's trying to get across is it's what's in your heart. It's what's in your heart that matters. What Jesus was wanting to get across as well was the fact that God wants to live in this world through us. God wants to live in this world through us. And when we allow anger to enter into our lives, it affects our relationships. It affects our relationships with our fellow man, and it affects our relationship with God. And if you remember Jesus' one commandment was for us to love God and love others. Anger gets in the way of both of those relationships, even in the church. 
Hear now the words from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning with verse 21 and reading through verse 26. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first to be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, sometimes your word is soft on our ears and our hearts, but sometimes, Lord, your teaching is sharp. And to the point, and it hits us right where it matters the most. May your word do as you will this morning. Amen. Anger affects our relationship with our fellow man. In verse 20, Jesus had just told the crowd there on the hillside that their righteousness had to be better than the righteousness of the religious leaders of the day. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, you guys know the law. You know that it says, thou shalt not murder someone. The scribes and the Pharisees at that point, I'm sure, poked out their chest and proudly bragged that they had never murdered anyone. They were conforming to the letter of the law. But as usual, they still could not grasp the spirit of the law. Jesus told them that he had come so that man would also understand the spirit of the law. The religious leaders taught that you should not murder, but they never gave a consideration to character assassination. I don't know about you, but my toes are feeling pretty stepped on right now. This definitely hits where we live right now. Jesus 
says that there is more than just not killing someone. I wanted us to look at verse 22 from our text today, but the version that I want us to hear comes from the message. You're familiar with the command, and I'll read it from here. I'm telling you that anyone who is as much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. How many of you remember the rhyme from elementary school? Some of us chanted as a song, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Jesus is saying that not only will murder harm people, but our thoughts and our words will harm them too. And I think probably that is why at the age of 64, I can still hear my aunt and my cousins taunting me calling me a hair lip and stupid. And even after 64 years, those words still hurt. If you call someone an idiot or you curse at them, then you are guilty of sin. And you are no different than a murderer. And I'm sure there may be thoughts in this room or beyond on the internet. Thoughts like, well, wait a minute. You say that just because I get angry at somebody that I'm as bad as a murderer? No, I'm not saying that at all. Jesus is. When we attack people's character with name-calling and slanderous remarks, when we publicly ridicule and make fun of them or call them dangerous or crazy or evil, we are doing irreparable harm to that person. And it does not matter whether we know them personally or not. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue 
can bring death or life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, wrote in his classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, that the angry word is a blow struck at our brother, a stab at his heart. It seeks to hit, to hurt, and to destroy. Jesus says, the motives of the heart are more important than appearance. When our motive is to hurt, to destroy, or exclude anyone else, we share the same motive with one who murders. When we are angry with someone, then our relationship with that person is damaged. And that is in direct conflict with the command of Jesus Christ to love our fellow man. To love our neighbors as ourselves. When we harbor anger and ill will in our hearts, we cannot possibly fulfill the final command for us to tell others about Jesus and to make disciples. We can't tell others what Jesus has done for us when we have anger toward our fellow man in our hearts. Anger affects our relationship with our fellow man. But it goes even further because anger affects our relationship with God. Verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God until you get yourself in a right relationship with your fellow man, you cannot possibly truly worship God. This is one of those hard teachings of Jesus Christ. And there is no wiggle room. There is no wiggle room here. You know, for a long time, I used to take this verse out of context, and I would think that it was talking just about communion. When we come to take Holy Communion, that if we had a grudge against someone, we couldn't take Holy Communion. That is not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, 
if you are in conflict with your fellow man, don't come to worship until you have tried to resolve that conflict. We cannot worship God and have conflict with our fellow man in the way. Because what those conflicts do is they pull us away from the will of God. It pulls us away from the will of God. And whether we realize it or not, when we come to worship and we're carrying those conflicts inside of us, it's coming right along with us. We're bringing it right here into this place, into our worship space. Our worship becomes divided because our hearts are not right with our fellow man. I read a post this week from a clergy friend of mine who is serving up in North Alabama. And I liked what he said and I wanted to share it. One of my friends has served or pastored his church for 30 years. His church grew to around 150 people, while the church down the street grew to over 500. He said in response, If I had raised a 150 foot tall American flag and Christian flag in the parking lot and preached against those liberals, meaning all the other churches in the area, I would have grown to 500 people as well. The problem with that is that the anger and the rage will only motivate for just a little while. Then you have to find something else to be angry about. And when it's all said and done, you have a bunch of angry people who love to talk about Jesus, just not the biblical Jesus. Our worship must be pure. Anger and unresolved issues keep us out of fellowship with God. Jesus says that we are to resolve those issues quickly and then come and worship. In verse 25 and 26, he gives an illustration of that and how to resolve the issues that we have. When you are on your way to court with your adversary, Settle your difference quickly. 
Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Do not let your anger linger. Take care of it. When we let issues hang around, we don't know what can happen. And I know that The Incredible Hulk was simply a television show. But the reality of what anger can do to an individual is as real as you and I here in this room this very morning. So I have to ask, has anger caused you to have a strained relationship with your fellow man? Is anger in the way of you having a life of loving relationships with your fellow man? And your God? Is anger and unresolved conflicts interfering with your worship? This morning, as you come for Holy Communion, you can leave all of that here. Spend some time at the altar if you need it if you want it, if you desire it. Then go and resolve your conflicts. I know that sometimes that seems beyond our human capability. Absolutely, of course it is. And that, my friends, is why we have Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we can do all things. I pray that you will seek the reconciliation that you desire, maybe that you don't even want, but you know that that is what will help you in your soul, not only in your relationship with your fellow man, but in your relationship with God. So take advantage of this time where we can come to the altar and leave it all there at Jesus' feet.